nalema kulila misozi Nikayanga na banja latu Kupadwa tinabatwa mushe Kwa malelo lipazulika Nikale tinakalapo kondwela Lelo eka Kisikumbukila kweta chokela Ama ikumbutika mutima Mazoti tazitoa Ni maona misozi masomwake Ni makuto wabale ni makuto Mm-hmm. 
Everyone knows that Musawa, but did we have to tell the, the world that we, we the North. there is something we, we were trying to. <laughs> we the North, eh? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's uh, a basketball slogan. Okay. Just, okay. Yeah, it came from one. the Raptors, so it's a basketball. We oh, are the yeah, only ones left do. in the north. Oh, okay. We, yeah, apparently. Is there only one basketball team in Canada? Well, that's my son, I asked that. I'm sure there NBA, are. Yeah, yeah. We used to have one in Vancouver. Uh, what mm-hmm. was that team, Musaba? Then It is the current one in... I don't know if it is... Uh, in Seattle or went to Louisiana, one of the teams from Vancouver. Grizzlies. Yeah. Oh, Grizzlies. Okay, okay, yeah. interesting. Uh, we are waiting for uh, Dr. Nambi from the UK to join us. Uh, uh, Cassiano in Lusaka has, has, uh, has already called in, and we're looking forward to that. Um, hi, Cassiano. How are you, Mr. Neta? Good, good. How's Lusaka today? Uh, Lusaka is very well. We're enjoying it. There's a sun, and it's, the weather is beautiful. Okay, excellent. All right, our, all our guests are in, and I guess we're ready to go. And uh, our discussion today is looking at uh, e-learning or online, but we prefer to use e-learning for the second context of uh, Africa or Zambia. Uh, COVID-19, like I said at the beginning, those of you that have been uh, here from the time we we started a few minutes ago, um, COVID-19 has literally put a lot of things to a ground halt or devastatingly economically, education-wise, and whatever way you want to look at it. One of the things that has been affected tremendously is the education sector, especially in the context of Africa and Zambia in particular. What I did, I was chatting, like I mentioned to you, that I called a lot of friends, Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, and all those places, just to find out what is happening in the education sector, particularly with the kids. And surprisingly, the whole world is a groundhog. The private schools have got something going on, but uh, the, it's the government or public institutions that have been hit hard. Okay, so for us to discuss this, I we have a good panel of uh, of, of people uh, joining us here uh, from uh, the United Kingdom. We have Dr. Sam Nambi who is an assistant professor and academia in civil engineering at Coventry University. He's also a consulting engineer. Dr. Nandi, good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, all the listeners. Thank you for having me on the show. Excellent. I like the way you are sounding clearly, like you are talking to me from uh, next door. Um, <laughs> it, it's a very clear line. Excellent. Also joining us is a, is, a, is a young gentleman, actually he's also a civil engineer by profession and qualification, uh, Cassiano Moara. He, Cassiano and his friend started the tuition learning center called A Learning Center in Lusaka, Zambia. So Cassiano is an engineer and the teacher is going to tell us how that happened. Welcome to the show, Cassiano. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Nelson. Thank you and greetings to all members of the panel and to all listening viewers. Excellent. And also, uh, 
a colleague here who's going to help me with the discussion. He's not a stranger to this. He's a regular contributor here. Um, Sabachailunda is also an author of a, a best-selling book entitled Object-Oriented Development in Africa. If you are hearing about this for the first time, I encourage you to to buy that book online. Good morning, Musaba, and uh, well, happy birthday once again. Thank you, Nathan, and um, uh, good morning to everyone. Excellent. Our goal is not to solve the world's problem. Our goal is to reflect and look at how best, especially as diaspora residents, we can contribute in whichever way we can. Uh, this is a very serious problem because you cannot have children sit at home for months on end and, and uh, going, going on and on. Oh, my apologies. Uh, I think, uh, what do you call it, uh, Cassiano is with a colleague, a co-founder of the Learning Center, Kavanda. Is it Mulenda? Kavanda Mulenda, hi. Yes, thank you. How are you? How are you doing? Welcome. Right. Yeah, welcome, Kavanda. Sorry about that. Welcome, welcome. So this, this is the way I want us to begin this discussion. We, we cannot exhaust this in one hour. What we are going to do is try to, to sort of address the main issues or the main points uh, as much as we can, okay? Uh, Cassiano, I want to begin with you because this show is coming up as a result of the conversation that I've been having with you, your sister, your mother, and everybody. So, first of all, on a personal note, tell us why engineer turned teacher, what happened there? I thought there's no money in engineering, Dr. Ngambi. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Go ahead, David Graziano. So, why did you switch careers or professions? Well, I have a passion to teach. I used to tutor mm -hmm. my friends in high school, in Central High School, and Rockers. This was in America. I also to tutor my friends also at CBU, the university. So I wanted okay. to use the tuition center to apply what I learned from American schools in Zambia. Okay, interesting. So tell us, how did the idea of the tuition center start? And how are you gentlemen, how does it work? And what is the content, the course content that you have? Also tell us about the, the challenge that you are faced, and then we shall pick up our conversation and develop it from there. Uh, I think I can take that one up, uh, Nathan. Well, okay. Uh, we, decided to start, uh, we decided to start the tuition center because of the gap in education between private schools and public schools. When you look at the quality of education being provided in schools, Yes, we agree that schools are being built in almost every city now, thanks to the government. But then quality education is still not being given to students. So at mm. class, we decided to open a tuition center where we could tutor with a difference and we could use different techniques like e-learning. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I met up with my friend, Cassiano, and we decided what can we do to change the situation going on? Because from experience, we've been in school, and we know what what can be done better, and we know we could 
reflect on better ideas and do things differently from everybody else and improve the passing mm-hmm. mark in most of okay. these subjects. So our main focus is mainly mathematics and science because we have a very big difficulty here with the uh, pass back in those two subjects. So Cassiano takes up physics and chemistry while I take up mathematics. Okay, excellent. Uh, what, what would you say has been one of the challenges that you faced? Okay, especially on the part of e-learning. Students mm. with no phones or access laptops, especially the ones in government schools, we have a problem to teach them, especially in this COVID-19 pandemic. So we wanted our school to operate like a library where students can come and get books, tests, and return them. Okay. Dr. Nambi, you have heard the, the, the short, uh, the short uh, what, presentation that Cassiano uh, and his colleague Kalanda have given us here our focus is to look yeah. at the situation of from the perspective of e-learning. Like, I, like you heard me yeah. say in the opening remarks, this is a huge mountain. What would, you, what would be a good starting point? Well, thanks very much, and, um, um, and, and thank you to all the listeners that have tuned in and um, the, the panelists as well, and the, the two colleagues that have just given us... Um, Kind of a, um, a summary of what they are doing, which, which uh, really sounds like a, a, a great feat to, for, for them to, to undertake. Um, mm. And uh, it can only be done. <laughs> it can only be done, you know, with um, um, the heart of uh, uh, somebody who wants to, you know, educate the nation and assume the pride of uh, of the education system. So really, our, you know, we 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 really appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, your challenges are obviously, um, um, you know, you, you can't overemphasize them. Um, basically, you know, e-learning, from um, uh, my, my, my point of view, how I personally come to be interested in this is obviously as an academic in, in uh, a developed country here in the United Kingdom, uh, same as any developing world. Everything during these uh, uh, COVID-19 lockdowns has changed to online, uh, and mm-hmm. that's not just for education, but it is also for industry. People are working from home. Um, the only kind of um, you know jobs that are still face-to-face are the essential ones, like hospitals and deliveries and things like that. But obviously, you know, uh, in this developing world, it hasn't been an issue to switch strategy. I mean, for my institution. The moment we knew there would mm-hmm. be lockdowns, we, we started preparing to switch from face-to-face education to, to online. And because the online infrastructure was already there, so it wasn't quite yes. difficult for us to switch in terms of uh, infrastructure and the technology and things like that. The only bit of work was on us academics to begin to prepare our, our, our materials to um, kind of online um, learning and, and basically we would do videos and and upload them but at the same time we also doing live online uh so students mm-hmm. even though they've gone away they are still following their teaching timetables so during yes. my teaching slot i go online and i can interact with students i can deliver it and things like that so 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 there hasn't been 
in a sense, even though there have been disruptions uh, in the way things have been delivered, but there hasn't been a disruption in the uh, um, uh, impartation of knowledge. To yes. me, that is the key. That e-learning um, facilitates the continuity in, in learning. And, mm. um, and, and this is very, uh, even more crucial at tertiary uh, and primary education. I mean, in the universities, we've got kids that are already developed mentally. So, you know, they, they can go and, you know, study and just upload stuff and they will study by themselves. But mm -hmm. for tertiary level, primary and secondary school, they haven't just developed yet uh, academically and mentally to, to, to read things on themselves. So interruption in education at that stage is very, very crucial. When you look at uh, um, the, the United Nations body that looks at education, you know, I, I, I was just looking at the literacy levels in Africa. They are mm -hmm. very, very, very low. Even though things are improving in Africa now, the literacy level is improving, but it's still very low. In some countries, it's below 50%, whereby in developing countries, they're almost hitting 100%. So, so any disruption in education doesn't help. Now, COVID-19 mm. has kind of caused the whole world, including the developing world, to be talking That's about e-learning. But, mm -hmm. but to be quite honest, how many disruptions have we had in developing countries to our education system, even without COVID-19? Corella disrupts education, uh, political, you know, you know, whatever it is, disrupts education. So disruption of education in developing countries, it is a common thing, really, and it doesn't help our literacy levels. So, I mean, COVID-19 is a terrible thing, but somehow, you know, it's caused everybody to begin to think about this e-learning thing. Now, obviously, the biggest problem with e-learning is that e-learning is very dependent on the internet. Yes. I mean, that's why it's called e-learning to study. Yeah. And the internet means the internet must be live. You know, it must be online internet learning. And we also mm -hmm. know that internet does not work without electricity. So, so if if you've got road shedding, you even though you're online, you won't be online. So there are there are there are these serious barriers uh, to e-learning. As much as we can talk about e-learning, and I can mm -hmm. see a lot of African countries are talking about e-learning here and there, but is it really effective? Probably it's not. So um, how did I get to think about this thing personally? Is that I, um, as an academic, I am a visiting academic in Botswana and in Namibia. Yes. And uh, uh, so I have, you know, I've got contacts down there with, um, you know, you know, leaders and, and things like that. So it just so happened that a few weeks ago, I was contacted by one of the leaders in Namibia to say, look, the Minister of Education in Namibia uh, has ordered schools to undertake e-learning during this closure. But you see, politicians can say whatever they want to say at any time. You know, they yeah. just speak their day. But then they realized that by the end of the day, in Namibia, only 20% of all the people in Namibia have access to internet. And 2% rather, not 20%, 2%. Okay. And okay. these are all in Vindom. In Vindom. Oh. So now the minister, exactly. 
And this is not just to Namibia. It's, a, it's probably the same thing in Zambia and everywhere else. Even that 2% who have access to Internet, what kind of Internet are we talking about? Most of it is probably through mobile hotspots and, and things like that. So it's not really reliable. So as much as the politicians in developing countries are talking about e-learning just to sanitize their own conscience, clearly nothing is happening because we don't have the infrastructure. So the e-learning that we need to look at in Africa, really, is offline e-learning. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay? Offline e-learning. And, uh, and that caused me, you know, after speaking with this um, uh, minister in Namibia, so he was just asking journey questions, to say, how can we help the kids in the rural areas who haven't got internet and uh, they haven't got mobile phones and even, even, even mobile phone networks are not reliable. So, you know, so it, it got me thinking. And, and it, I didn't think too much because here in the United Kingdom, I know of companies that are training their, their employees uh, offline. Mm. Uh, so, so, I, 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 so I did some bit of research on that and I found some ideas that um, really could work if our government really wants to invest in this e-learning, but from the offline point of view. Because online, see that is speaking, only for private schools, it's not really that effective. I was speaking to my nephew, who is at Copability University, and we are discussing this about how they're doing the online thing. It's not really online. You know, mm-hmm. it's once in a while he, <laughs> he connects and he downloads one PowerPoint, you know, or whatever, and, 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 and that's it. There's no interaction at all. We want an e-learning that makes a kid interact somehow with uh, uh, a teacher either virtually or through some recording that makes them feel that they are learning and this can be done. So I don't know whether I can stop there for some time and, and then just, yeah. Mm, that's interesting. You see, when you talk about that concept of offline learning, this brings me to the point, like I said at the beginning, Musaba here, before Musaba comes in. Listen to this. Let's go back to Casiano and, and Kavanda. So you guys, Casiano and Kavanda, this is, explain how you do your, your learning. This is interesting. I'm saying to myself, if individuals, Roger, can take this upon themselves and do what these young men are doing, I don't understand why a person at national level cannot think like this. Uh, which one of you, Kavanda or Cassiano, explain how you do your e-learning with your students? Well, I think I can take that one up, uh, Nathan. Uh, Malenga, Kavanda Malenga. Well, first of all, uh, it's one of the major challenges is what um, uh, my fine doctor has explained is internet access. Not every mm-hmm. student we have has internet access or a phone or a laptop. But then we have both kids from we have less privileged and those who can afford. So those that can afford, we have established, uh, we use WhatsApp and Gmail. We use our WhatsApp, we have a group. And in that group, we discuss several things. We discuss topics and students can send in questions which we could all discuss together career pathways, we send updates, we send tutorial videos to the students, and then on Gmail, 
on Gmail, we send assignments and tests and they send it back and review. And then every now and then a student is allowed to pass through the tuition center for more clarification because, you know, it's very difficult for a person to learn on their own, even if they're getting all the information on e-learning. So it's easier when you post a video or a simple explanation of a concept, if you get what I'm trying to say. But then mm-hmm. that has, one of the biggest challenges is having a big group because not everybody is computer literate in that. So what we have been trying to do now is trying to see a way that we can incorporate a bigger group, including the less privileged, and how they can have access to this uh, e-learning service. So we've actually yes. been working with two guys who are helping us create a, a website, and then we want, like like he's spoken of, spoken of offline, uh, offline e-learning, uh, which is e-learning. amazing, amazing. Because, because, yeah. mm. because with that, because with that, can, yeah. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Finish off. Yeah, yeah, finish off. Yes, yes, yes. So, so with that, so with that, that, uh, you, find that uh, you find students you can keep a video and not and not and then and so on. One of them must to the the phone. The phone. Okay. Hello. Hello. That's why we are, are you guys. Yeah. Are you are you on speaker, guy? Are you using the same line? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that I don't know. It could be. Yeah, we are getting feedback from somewhere. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, I think it's fixed uh, now. Yeah. Okay. I think it's gone away. Listening to the program, so they need to be in separate rooms. Say that again, Matilda. Yes. Yes. I I believe then the same space with someone else listening to the program. So okay, and then they are on the phone as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Okay, in time is of the essence here. This is a very huge subject, and there's a lot of uh, material to to decide. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so maybe, maybe, Chairman, let yes. me just, um, you know, I'll say this in confidence, but can I just share some of the proposals that I put to the Namibian government? Yes, please do that. And uh, you, I actually wanted you to come back, and then we shall go to Japan. One of our regular uh, colleagues here, Mr. Uh, Simon, who is also uh, an educationist, is, is also just like uh, is, is also going to say something because he does a lot of work on this. Before we go to Musaba, go ahead, Dr. Nambi, share some things that you are doing with. Uh, Namibian government and explain more on this offline. You remember last week you captured my attention when you said you can have a, is it a laptop or a tablet without using internet? Talk to us about offline learning. Okay. Okay. Okay, basically, it will need investment. It's not something that can just be done. It will need investment from the government. And, mm-hmm. um, and as well as um, a partnership with the private sector. So this is a, it's a PPP thing, a big private partnership. Unless we are dealing with uh, governments like Namibia where they've got a lot of money, if I must say, and we are looking at a very small population. So there are a number of pupils in Namibia uh, are very small compared to a country like Zambia, and they've got a lot of reserves. So they can implement these things that are uh, 
I put across to them. So I, these proposals were in view of understanding the Namibian context. So in Zambia, mm-hmm. probably, the government will have to engage a lot of the private sector and maybe even the donor money, okay? So what basically is there, they are uh, what um, offline Google Chrome softwares, okay? Now, now these uh, offline Google Chrome softwares, they'll have to be installed on tablets. And obviously to be installed, it means that you must first of all have internet. Yes. Okay? So basically, what would happen is, what I propose, step number one that I propose to the Namibian government, and the government in Namibia, they have not implemented this, because we, we must remember, all the African governments, this is a knee-jerk reaction. You know, they haven't, we haven't even got time. We'll be reopening schools very soon. So some of these implementation are things that we should look at going forward. We shouldn't just stop because COVID-19 has disappeared. Because this thing is going to happen again in Africa. It will be closure. So government might as well start pushing for this e-learning for the future. Because tomorrow it will be corridor, the next day it will be something, and schools will still be closed. So the first step I did is that the, the government must purchase iPads if they can afford pretty much the each household that has got a people, okay? If not, mm-hmm. they purchase just a few a school, okay, which the school can keep, okay? Now, these iPads, first of all, have to be installed with this offline Google Chrome software, okay? Which, when you sit on the iPad, it can run as if it's online. So that means it can process the apps, and the files and the videos and everything as if it's online. It's a software that's developed. It's being used in developing countries. And it's very easy to have a supplier for it. So they need to, they need to purchase iPads, um, depending on, maybe I would suggest maybe in terms of Zambia because of constraints with finances and resources, maybe a few per school. And you target the rural areas. That's what we are targeting. And mm. then before they are delivered to the school, obviously, they have to be installed with this software. Now, the next step is the Ministry of Education must select a few teachers, gather them up somewhere where they do the actual recording. They teach in front of the camera. It's like just like they are delivering a normal session. They even they make it very interactive. They are even speaking to the pupils to say, oh, Mlenga, what question have you got? And, uh, you know, something like that. And uh, they work out some examples that is recorded, okay? And mm-hmm. it's recorded in such a way that we even have like breaks. It's like a virtual reality thing, you know. You know, let's take a break, yes. and then you will come back and something like that. So that is recorded. This can be done by gathering a math teacher, just like the colleagues who are saying mm-hmm. one of them is doing math, the other one is doing chemistry or physics, you know. And they do these purposes at every level. And then you mm. get these experts who have developed this software to turn these video recordings into apps, okay? okay? Whereby when the kids open them up, they are not just watching still pictures. They are watching something that is rather more interactive. But it's offline because the software can process it, mm. okay? And then within that software as well, as the kids are watching that. So kids are watching this uh, teacher teaching this and... Uh, there are, there are even some kind of virtual questions and uh, generic answers um, given to that. 
and they can even be a bit of a break as if a kid is in class, but they are watching this lab iPad at home. Mm. And then uh, they can, they can, exactly. And then they can, um, I mean, it's not going to be forever. They are not going to be at home forever. They can actually even do some of the exercises, write them down, and then they will submit them when they go back to school. So uh, mm. the mechanism can be such that if we don't have enough iPads, obviously, for each household, the school can just hold a few, and then within their locality, even in the time of COVID-19, you can wear a mask and deliver an iPad to this household and then give them a week for a child to look through it. At least, you know, it will help something. We would have enhanced or stopped the break in the, uh, uh, in, in the education system. So it, mm. it involves, it involves, it involves uh, planning and it involves uh, commitment from the government and an investment as well we, uh, to do this kind of a thing. But at least yeah. we will do it. So there is a solution. Yeah. yeah, there is a solution to this thing, Dr. Ngambi, and everybody listening. Let, let, me, let me hold you right there, and, uh, because we have people here who are doing these things. Musala, you know this is, your, this is not just something to you, but it's actually your profession. But before I go to Musala and Dr. Kalonde, Simon has gone to great strength to stay up late. <laughs> I, I don't even know what time it is in Japan. Is it 1 a.m. or midnight? Simon, what are you uh, working on, on these things? Good evening to you. Welcome. Good evening. This is, this, okay, it's evening, really. Okay, um, it's uh, 11.33 here. Uh, okay. We are about to get, we are getting into Sunday soon. Yeah, thank you so much for this time, and it's been nice to uh, take part in such a, an important discussion. Um, yes, um, sorry, I, I joined in a little late because I was doing something which I'd like to talk about later, actually. Um, just, I've been working for the past four or more years trying to help out, especially uh, uh, with primary education in mm -hmm. Zambia and um, yeah I've tried a few things and I've, I've been also able to identify a few factors that are very key that would help um, uh, uh, us do something there. Uh, first of all I'd like yes, to... Especially in Zambia, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. I'd like to say from the beginning that you see the, uh, when it comes to education you um, the methods that you apply will uh, depend on the level of the students, uh, which means that uh, it, when you, it's a lot different to deal with primary school children, especially the lower elementary than it is for to, when you're dealing with high elementary or uh, secondary school and later tertiary education students. And uh, I've been very much involved with primary education. That's where my passion is. And um, yes, the, um, they are you know, there are continental uh, problems with the education system in Zambia. We, we've had these problems of very disproportionate student-to-teacher ratios and um, poor infrastructure and um, um, lack of materials. But I would like to think that the problem of COVID-19 should provide some sort of a, an opportunity, if you like, to leapfrog some of these problems. Um, 
I'm saying this because that is, is the, it has brought the issue of e-learning to the forefront, uh, mm-hmm. which thing I think should have been uh, in the um, been uh, under consideration for a long time in order to, uh, for example, to uh, to overcome issues that have to do with teacher-student ratio and infrastructure, because uh, e-learning can bridge that gap. But there's also the issue of what sort, how which what approach ought to be taken. And um, the Credit there are your card is low. Uh, and uh, sorry, sorry about that. Uh, the, uh, what I, you know, I've been trying to do something with my. I've just been concentrating with um, my uh, relatives' children because it's easy. I've been doing some trial lessons now that they're at home, and what I've been doing is I've been having live lessons with some children using Zoom app, and uh, they. This has so far worked very well because I've gathered a few children in the house and. Uh, Thankfully, you know, they've been using smartphones and uh, mostly smartphones, but I've had no problems. I had a uh, a whole one-hour session of a lesson reading and Mm -hmm. um, some other things with the children uh, without any problem, really. So I think that's a very big step forward. So um, with pushing uh, coronavirus this um, area aside, I mean, if we had use such a method, I mean, and if we're able to gather children uh, in bigger numbers in some in places, I think we, are able, we could use that method to reach out to a lot of children. And uh, I could, theoretically, if I'm doing a lesson using Zoom, I can teach 100 children at a go, which is, I think, a very good uh, ratio. And uh, I the um, I was uh, oh the other thing is I because I teach here we're having some problem here in Japan and surprisingly Japan is not as advanced as most countries where uh, e-learning is concerned. Primary school children, most in public schools, are having no lessons at all. They're at home waiting for the schools to reopen. They don't have any online learning platforms for for the public school system. And but my school is an English teaching system, but I've been able to use the Zoom to I'm um, teaching my children, my students using Zoom, and I, I it just I use that here, and then I thought, how, how, why how can I? Why yeah, can I, I'm, I'm actually children? looking yes. at your Simon. I'm actually looking at your Facebook, and I'm seeing some of the things you do with your students there in Japan. Uh, like, like you and I said, discussing this behind the scenes. This is a mammoth topic. <laughs> I think we may have to do a part two of this. Um, let's, like I said, this is not just for you something that is like a discussion. This is no. It's a, it's your, what I'm trying to say is this is your what do you call it? Software engineering is your career, your profession, and you're also an educationist in a way. I don't know what you want to say from everything that has been said here, and then we'll go to Dr. Kalwandi. Okay. Card yeah. has um, now expired. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. We're having challenges with our UK connection, but we shall solve it. We shall resolve it. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Again, um, I think I agree with uh, what everyone has said. Um, it's very important feedback, very important and very good feedback. Um, the, the challenges are so many. 
you see, because mm. even where the technology exists, like say, um, I mean, if even if the technology were to exist, the mm. access is is not necessarily possible. If you look at um, the day schools, the the, the schools that exist, that where people kids go to class, right? You find yeah. that there there are kids who miss class for one reason or another, and that's not a good thing because you want every child to be at school, right? Now, if you the e learning solution, it's most likely even the best one implemented is going to leave more than twenty percent out. See, so so that's the thing. Like say for example, Simon's example of uh, of Zoom, which is a very good idea, but that's only possible if every kid has a smartphone yeah, or has access to the internet. So those are the challenges, and um, the government. Uh, I think it's Dr. Ngambi who who was talking about. Um, doing it without the internet, that's again is a brilliant idea. However, at what cost is our government even post, um, able to buy um, um, uh, laptops for maybe even oh. 20 kids in a school, let yeah. alone the whole school? Well, that's the thing, actually. On that one, I can chip in very quickly in that time. When I was in Zambia, I met uh, the guys who have high school. Is it high school? I as in yes. India. And yes. Yes. So they have got these laptops $1. where they download it. The, the, Please enter your destination number um, now. Programs. Uh, mm. at, when I was in Zambia, I think they were costing somewhere like uh, $5,000. Uh, quarter. Mm. Um that is in, in, in dollar terms, that is almost three, $300. Um, what we should look at, Musawa, uh, I want to attack Musawa, this can't work, this can't work. What we should be looking at, Musawa, is how are we going to be creative to reach the left behind? If this can't work, this can't work, a lot of our Zambian children will remain behind. So this can't work is not even an option on the table. What we need to do is how are we going to think of being uh, acting outside the box so that we can make it, make it work. Uh, yesterday you attacked me, you attacked me a picture of people in Chiruvi selling their produce. Uh, I mean, goat farming. How can we translate what we have already to reach our people? We have the resources. We lack creativity, mm. in my view. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, misplaced priorities, Dr. Kalonde. And then I want, you see, Tassiano and Kalonde are in this thing, and they are dealing with this issue in real time, so to speak, in real essence. Uh, we may have to do a part two with this. I need to make arrangements with Simon, Dr. Kalonde, and everybody, if we can continue this discussion. Dr. Kalonde, go ahead. Yeah, hi. I just want to to be thankful to the uh, gentleman from Zambia and the lady, and also to Dr. Ngambi in UK and the, the gentleman in in Japan. Um, mm -hmm. I, I find this topic to be very very important to me, uh, as you may know. 
I just became an associate professor uh, like two weeks ago uh, in the technology, basically part of my technology is education technology. And the nine of my publications, nine of my publications that pushed me to become an associate, they were in education technology. So what okay. I find, what is important here is uh, we have to marry something to technology. What we always have to marry to technology when we are using it for teaching is pedagogy. If we cannot marry pedagogy and psychology to technology, then we might not reach the goals that we want to reach. Because one, a student's learning is like the gentleman in Japan said, the student's learning according to age is affected by the technology that you are using. So we have to be very careful on what technology we are using at a certain stage. We can damage a child permanently if we use a wrong tool. They would believe that is the right thing when it is the wrong thing. So we have to be very, very, very careful. We have to understand the psychology of learning. We have to understand the sociology of learning. But there's one other thing that we also have to understand about what Musawa has said. Musawa what has said is being realistic. What we have to understand is that technology at a certain point is very divisive. It's very, very divisive. Those who can't afford cannot participate. That means only those that can afford to buy the bundle to go on the internet can be able to be part of your learning. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they are cut off. Yeah, it's, you yeah, see, Dr. Kalonde, what you are saying is, I'll say this again, that's the reason Cassiano and Kavanda are here. This, this conversation, this whole show came up from my conversation with Cassiano and what him and Kavanda are doing here. Uh, gentlemen, Cassiano and Kavanda, I don't know where you want to come in here based on what you have can heard I so far. Okay, very quickly, we are running out of, yeah, very quickly, very yeah. quickly. Mm -hmm. What I wanted to say is that every time that uh, we are having uh, people who are not educationalists or not educators to, to teach, we have a system of giving them professional development for them to understand the psychology of the child or the learner. Mm. Those things are very cardinal. And the, what we are doing, like in our case at my university, we are using the three pillars of remote distance instruction. If you don't use those three pillars, then you are having a problem with the, with the child is learning. The first one is communicating with the student. But if the student doesn't have access to internet, how are you going to communicate with that student? Then we have to find another way to communicate with the student. The second one is organizing your content that you will put on the whatever platform. That way, the student would be able to access it and understand it. The basic thing is understanding. That's why we mm -hmm. have to have learning objectives. And in the learning objective, we put what you want our students to learn. Then the third one is organizing the assessment too. Because you're doing it electronically. That means we must have electronic assessment too. All those things are very, very cardinal to learning. I That's true. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure we we shall get into those details can I, can as I, we. Can I make a quick comment in response to the um the the the, the uh, contributor? Just a quick one. Yes, go ahead, Doctor Nambi. 
you say, I, yeah, I, I understand his point of view. Obviously, being an educationist, you can hear it from there. But you see, I think educationists, you must also understand that uh, the technology is here to assist your traditional face-to-face -face education, which in reality, in a, in a developing country, has had challenges that it can't provide continuity in education because of things beyond your control, because of all these closures. So we've got to embrace technology to assist. E-learning can never replace, can never replace face-to-face -face development of a child through education. The same thing in the home. But at least it will come in to alleviate this gap of illiteracy that if we allow it going on and on at least, we're going to have, end up with uh, a generation that even going to university, but really they are not really developed, literally, in, uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the levels they should be at. So that's why, that's why all these uh, methods of e-learning are coming in. Otherwise, they, they can't, they can't, e-learning will not provide that psychological development of a child of one-to-one. -one. It's all virtue, but it will at least bridge a bit of that gap. And coming back to this offline um, mm. uh, uh, software, the advantage of it, of course, the big disadvantage, as the other speakers have said, is the investment. You know, where does the government get the money or things like that? But if there's the will, they can fund the money to, to first of all, start with some pilot schools here and there and, and target those. But the advantage of this as well is that on those iPads, there will be nothing that will damage the kids. There will be no pornography. There will be no... It's just all purely learning stuff, which is an advantage mm. of offline compared to online, because online, they will access anything. Yes. Mm. Excellent. Okay. Tafiano and the Kadanda, I don't know which one you want to come in. Okay. Yes, uh, I just wanted to add to what the good Dr. Ngambi is just saying. Uh, well, you know, this issue of uh, coronavirus and social distancing, it's, it's, it's a big issue right now. And as countries or people in a country, we need to come together, parents, the government, and the educationalists. Mm -hmm. So e-learning will help get the privilege. So the, the biggest issue now is thinking about what are we going to do about the lessons privileged and okay. offline makes a lot of sense and we thought that one of the best ways to reach the less privileged is you see almost every household has a tv has a tv and tvs these days have a provision for a flash drive okay. yeah so if schools can make videos okay they make videos or have a website parents or the students could pass through the school collect those videos and just watch from their homes, and they can mm. collect assignments. And uh, you, you, you can understand what I'm trying to say. You see, yes. you see. I think it's, it's so far that could be one of the easiest ways that we could reach even the the people who do not have laptops or internet, because you don't need the internet to watch a video on your TV if you have those videos on a flash drive or on a hard on a hard drive. If you get what I'm trying to say, Nathan. And, uh, yeah, I know. I know. That, that, that's, a, that's another alternative, uh, like I, we have eight minutes here remaining before we end this. Uh, like I, I, I keep saying, you gentlemen are on the ground there, and my greatest concern, yes. we, we, you see, we can talk about all this, like Dr. Ngambia said, you, you, 
or the kids or the kids in Namibia have got access to internet. And the greatest component of this two percent, Simon, is in Windhoek. Just it could be the same percentage in Lusaka, could be the same percentage in Nairobi. My concern, yeah. Kavanda, Kavanda, my concern is that child in Kaputa, that child in Lukuru, that child in Kasem, uh, Rogers Village. Uh, is it, do, are, are all those people there, do they have access to TV? I know everybody has got a cell phone now. Can this, what you have said, can it work in Mukuru, Kasempa, Kaputa? Can this work? Because, can I, I, I think, you know, if we create... Okay, sorry. Uh, I think we could okay, create uh, centers. Sorry? And, and, and yeah, go ahead. The problem with the TV is electricity as well. That's oh, why yeah, 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 yeah. They can be designed, they can be designed yes. with uh, solar panels batteries they don't even have to be charged using uh the normal power they can uh -huh. have solar systems yeah. there yeah yeah mm. can i say something yeah i think yeah yeah he just uh the um the issue of centers i think is a very good idea um i think one of the things that is needs to be considered here when you talk about uh, children learning using gadgets is what sort of home environment they live in. And most of these children live in environments where even if they have those gadgets, they'll not be able to use them properly. So the best idea, I think this is one of the things that we've been trying to do. And I think um, this factor is a very major factor, even in uh, which has been proven to be um, the issue even uh, with very advanced um, tools like or uh, platforms like the Khan Academy. Uh, uh, mm. it's, the material is there. And it, but then the, the thing is, how are, they, how, is it, how are children able to use that? Are they able to use that as it's supposed to be used? So I think the, be, the best solution would probably be having education centers where children can go in a local area where they have one uh, maybe TV or one computer where they can oh, okay. gather around there. Yes, and yes, then the children, yes. They have, and they, sh they have to be uh, someone in charge to manage these children. In our program, we've been doing, yeah, supervision. So we, uh, my program here actually is very unique. We, it's uh, some sort of a slip classroom kind of uh, program where we, um, we set goals for children and monitor them, and then we evaluate the children. So that because we teach, I teach English here in, in Japan, but you see mm. the parents, most of this, they live in an environment where English is not spoken. Okay, the parents don't even speak English. So it's very much <laughs> like an illiterate, uh, mm. where in the, in the case of time, like all the parents, everyone around them is illiterate and they have no, they don't see any value for this. And even if they did see the value, they have, they yeah. can't use these things effectively. So let, 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 me, let me stop you right there, Simon. Let me stop you right uh, there, Simon, because of time. He, 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 the point okay. that you have mentioned, you're talking about illiteracy, okay? Musaba, I think, and Dr. Ngambi, you and I, in our behind the scenes, we talked about the challenge of the parent trying to spend time with the child to help them with their schoolwork or going out there to look for food. You see, it's, 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 it's oh my goodness. <laughs> we have a lot of work to do. Uh, 
Just very quickly, one of the advantages of using apps is that kids will learn these things within a day. Give them right. an iPad, any kid that is between eight, seven, four, even four years old, up to ten years old. That's an advantage mm-hmm. of part. Something that is a still kind of a, just watching it on television, it can be very difficult for them to follow a, a, a lesson. But if we use apps, kids will learn this very, very quickly. One stunning statistic that developing countries must watch is this. The education literacy levels in developing countries are still very low. However, the stats of how much in terms of uh, uh, what you call this LCD, uh, you know, smartphones, the use of smartphones in Africa mm. is very high. It's very, very high. So kids know how to manipulate these things, but they're what not. They do? Yeah, so, they do. So, so they really, do. we don't need to educate them. Well, we just need well, to be there. And, and they will mm. Yeah, I'm running out. I'm running out of time here. Just one, uh, what, just one point. Yeah. Just one point. Can you do it in ten seconds? Uh, ten seconds. The, okay. The the issue with apps that our brother is mentioning is that these apps are developed in other countries. If they are developed back home, apps also have a cultural context. That's what we should look at. Mm. Okay. Ka- the recording. The recording has to be done in Zambia and then they are converted into these apps. And then finally, also, education is what I wanted to say as well is, please, when the schools be, return, let's try blended learning, try on face-to-face. Let's blend the learning. Uh, let this COVID-19, as somebody has, as has said, be a ninja to look into all these other options. Combine face-to-face with uh, 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 one-to-one follow-ups and all these kind of things. We call it blended learning. It's a way of just bridging those gaps of trying to just not be able to do anything. And then we pick up the kids from zero, you know, you know, when we, we left them at five. And then we have to pick them up from another level or below that. Mm, that's true. I think what we have just done here is provoke the hive of bees. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, we just provoked a hive of bees. This is like we acknowledge at the beginning. This is a huge topic, and what we're trying to do is not just to resign to ourselves and say it's a hopeless situation. However, the idea was to try and see the way. We shall try to do a part two. I shall get back to my to my guests behind the scenes and see if they are available. Doctor Nambi, thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you to everybody. Thank you very much. My, my, you yeah, my good friend in Japan. Yeah, and, uh, in Japan. I've heard about you. I'd like to get in touch with you. That's true. Let's I'm do good. that. Uh, right. thank, thank you so all right. very much. It's Coming up is open forum. Let's all call back in. So I